Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 4th of March 2018, entitled Hindrances of Satan. And the Bible readings are taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 20, and 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We're going to be reading from two different passages this morning. If you'd like to... Uh, Turn first of all to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You find 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Just put your, uh, put your finger there for the moment if you would like. Turn back just literally a few pages in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6, which is where we take the theme from for our conference that we just finished each year. Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read Ephesians chapter 6 first and then turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word, beginning in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, and that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Just about 12 years prior to, to this, the Apostle Paul had written to the church at Thessalonica. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, you see, what I want you to understand is that what he's writing in Ephesians that has been the theme of our, of our conference Yes, he's writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It is God breathing those words through him, but it's also God that has brought him through the experiences that has brought him there. He knows what it's like to fight a battle against Satan. We find that 12 years earlier in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he wrote these words. He's writing to the church here at Thessalonica, and he says, Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together 
unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there cometh falling away first, and that that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, of course, speaking of the Antichrist himself. He opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called or that is worshipped, so that he is, as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now we'll come back to that in a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, And for yourselves, brethren, know our entrance in unto you, that it was not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated as we know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. For our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as we, nor, as we know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. We're laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel of God. Ye are witnesses, and God also. How holily and justly and unblameable we behaved ourselves among you that believe. And you know that we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus for ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us. And they please not God and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always for the wrath 
is come upon them to the uttermost. For we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Father, thank you again for your word, for the privilege to read it this morning, for your spirit that makes it alive. Help us now as we look at these passages and others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I've got all these places marked in my Bible. I forgot to tell you, I was reading from 2 Thessalonians as well there, just to come back to that, to that later. But I want you to understand, as the Apostle Paul is writing this church to the Thessalonians, he knows what it's like. We know that this letter is being written by him to, to these that he makes it very known. He bears his heart of how much that he cares for them, that it's not just his words, but his very soul that he's bringing unto them there. But I want to draw your attention to something here, that as we read through this chapter, we can see undoubtedly the Apostle Paul is striving to do the work of God. His greatest goal here is to preach the gospel to these people, the gospel that has changed their lives, the gospel that will change others' lives. We can see that he has all the right motives, that he's not wanting to be recognized by man. He's not wanting to be applauded by man. He's wanting the work of God to take place through his life. We can see that he's working in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's certainly fruits that are resulting from it. And yet, as he is doing all of this, folks, he's doing it with the right intentions. He's doing it all just as he ought to be doing it. And yet we see that there in verse 18, wherefore we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered us. Now, Silvanus and Timothy are with Paul here. That's why it's the we in the hour as he's writing to them, as he's talking about coming unto them. I want you to grasp and understand. The man of God was doing everything the right way. And he was doing what he was supposed to. And the relationships were what they ought to be. And yet there in verse 18, he says that he would have been there more and more once again, but Satan had hindered him. We've learned over these, all these sermons during our conference how that as Christians we have a great advantage over our enemy. And that's that we have the Lord himself to be our strength to fight our battles. What I want to ask you here and just consider for a moment is how can this be? Here is a man of God doing God's work. He's doing it in the right way for all the right reasons, and yet how is it that Satan had hindered him from being there with these people at Thessalonica? 
does Satan hinder us from doing? And what does he use to hinder us in life? You see, I hope that we can answer a few of those questions because we must recognize that even when we are right where we need to be spiritually, that even with all of the best intentions, when we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in the place that we're supposed to be doing it, our enemy is still out there to try to hinder you. He wants to keep you. As a matter of fact, I am totally convinced that he's more interested in hindering you if you're doing something for God than he is if you're sitting back and doing absolutely nothing. So does that mean that we should just give up? How is it? If God is sovereign and God has all the power, how is it that Satan can still hinder us in this life? Well, I want to remind you of a couple of very simple facts. You see, we've been talking about what we need to do to take a stand, that we can be the witness, that we can put on the whole armor of God because the Bible is very clear there are battles to be fought. And it's not against the flesh and blood enemies of this world. It's against the prince of the power of the air. It's against the darkness. It's against Satan himself and his powers. There is a spiritual battle that we must, we must fight, but that we can be victors with the Lord. But we need to understand, first of all, the reality of the presence of Satan. In Job chapter 2, verse 2, and the Lord God is speaking to Satan. The Lord said unto Satan, from whence, thou, whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. Where's Satan today? I don't know. We don't know where he's at. But you can bet that he's here in this world. You can be promised that he's going to use the, the, the powers that he has. You see, when God asked him where he was, he said, Well, he said to... <laughs> I'm just going here and there, to and fro, all over the earth, just walking up and down in it. Not just the reality of his presence that he is, but the realm of his power. What did we read in our reading there in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You need to recognize, you need to realize, first of all, the reality of the presence of the enemy. He is real and he is present. He's going to and fro in this world, up and down, and the realm of his power is not the flesh and blood that we may have. There's a lot of battles we may have to fight in this world, and they may be against flesh and blood. But there is a much more serious battle that you're fighting today, and you better recognize that whether you're lost or saved, whether you've become a believer and put your faith in Jesus Christ, or whether you don't, the enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy wants to bring about your destruction. He's real, and his power 
It's that spiritual wickedness in high places. The reality, the realm, the reason. Why is Satan doing what he's doing? Well, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that we read there just a moment ago, notice what he says there when we said, let's read verse 3 again, let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, Satan incarnate, just as Jesus Christ was in the flesh, Satan will appear in the form of the Antichrist who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. Isn't that where he fell in the first place? Because he tried to exalt himself above God. When the Antichrist appears on this earth, it's not something new. Is Satan up to his same old tricks? Opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, that is worshipped. He wants to be the one that's being worshipped. But notice it doesn't stop. So that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Satan wants to be in control and in power. He wants to exalt himself. He knows that God sits on the throne. He knows that God has the power. But he's jealous of that. And that's what he's going after, just as he did from the very beginning. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief cometh but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm saying, folks, we need to realize we've been looking at all these ways that we can stand and be able to stand and be counted for the Lord Jesus Christ and be able to speak the truths of this word boldly to proclaim the gospel to others. And if you're not, you're not doing what you're here for. If you're a child of God, that's why you're here, that the work of Jesus Christ can be carried on through your life. And if you're not doing that, then it's sin. It's wrong. He says, I'm going to and fro in all this world, just walking back and forth and up and down in it. God says, you better put on the whole armor. You better realize in this power, he is real. But you're not fighting against the flesh and blood. Man, we get terrified of the flesh and blood battles. We get terrified of what other people are going to think and what other people are going to do. You've got a far more serious battle than that on your hands this morning. I don't care if the whole world turns against you. I don't care if there's absolutely nobody that seems to be on your side. That's nothing compared to this one that wants your ultimate destruction for all of eternity. He wants to oppose anything. What is God's for God, Jesus Christ, came to seek and to save that which was lost. We read this morning that Jesus came into this world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We know his everything about God is to save you from now, to give you life now and forever. You better realize that the enemy, he's here but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to take you out of here. He wants nothing but death for you. Just the opposite of God. You see, there's a lot. We don't have time to, to do a whole series on, on Satan and who he is this morning. But for the purpose of our passages here, 
I want you to recognize and understand he is real. And the realm that he is operating in is the spiritual realm. And his reason for operating is one thing ultimately, and that's your total destruction for all of eternity. But you see, we began reading here. Look back at Second Thessalonians chapter 2 again. You see, he tells us, be not soon shaken. He says in verse 2, be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. You say, well, preacher, he said the day of Christ was at hand. That was over 2,000 years ago when he wrote that. <laughs> he says it's at hand. Folks, it is at hand. We get so stuck. We don't understand. We don't understand 2,000 years to God is a blink. Our life is nothing. God is outside of time. We're limited by it. But the truth is, it is at hand. We see it all around us. We were talking in the Bible study this morning how that even as Christians, we just get more used to the sinful world as it becomes more and more sinful. He said, it is at hand. And that day is coming. He says, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a great falling away first. That man of sin be revealed, that son of perdition, the Antichrist himself who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. He wants to take God's place. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? And now ye, now ye know what withholdeth, now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken away out of the way. Do you know that that word right there, he who now letteth will let, that could also be translated what we just read about, he that now hinders will hinder. Satan is the one that hinders. And Satan is the one that will hinder until he is taken out of here. And that's going to be after he shows himself as the Antichrist. He says here, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Why are they going to ultimately be destroyed with him? Because they wouldn't take the simple truth that God gave them that could save their wretched souls. Satan is going to win out over love. Not because God wants them to, but because that's the choice they make. And for this, God, this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, you can make it what you want. I've had people that they, 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 list, they want to procrastinate so much about not accepting Jesus Christ in their lives right now, today. 
Many of them, they, 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 they try to figure out if all this is true. And some of them have this idea that, well, if, if I see all this happening, I'll know it's true, and then I'll accept Jesus. In other words, you know, if the Antichrist really shows up one day, then, uh, then I'll believe it. If I'm reading correct these last couple of verses we just read here, folks, I mean, it's one thing I would be glad to be wrong about, okay? I would happily be wrong about it. But if what I'm reading is the reason that they're going to be deceived by the Antichrist is because they rejected the truth when they had the opportunity to accept the truth and that therefore strong delusion is sent. I believe there will be some people saved during the great years of tribulation upon this earth, but not those that have already rejected the truth before the church is taken out of here. There will be those that haven't heard. We know there will be many Jews saved during that time. But I'm saying, folks, you got a better idea. Have at it. But from what I'm reading right here, that day is coming when Satan will be revealed through the Antichrist and those that have not accepted the truth, they will be deceived by him. And boy, he's going to come with all of his lying wonders and miracles and doing all these phenomenal things. But it's all a lie. You see, I want to remind you this morning, we don't have to be afraid as Christians. I'm saying this, and I don't know any other way to say it. If you're here today and you don't know with certainty that Jesus Christ is in your heart and soul, you ought to be trembling in your shoes. I'm not saying that to try to frighten you in the flesh. I'm saying that's what all these days of the conference was just about, the battle that we as believers are in against the enemy. And the thing is, is that he wants to destroy you, but he wants to hinder us from being able to get that truth to you. We find that, and I remind you also, that some people, they don't really, ah, you know, I don't believe in this devil. <laughs> well, they got some picture of some, you've seen those pictures of the guy in the red suit with the horn sticking up and the pointed tail hanging out at the back, and that's supposed to be the devil. I got news for you. <laughs> he ain't running around in a red suit. He ain't showing you his horns, and he's not going to let you grab his pointed tail. <laughs> Matter of fact, he could be the most beautiful creature that you've ever laid eyes on. We can see from Scripture that one of his greatest assets is deceiving people into thinking that he's something that he's not, into thinking that he's beautiful, into thinking that he can, he can give you everything. He even offered it to Jesus. I'm also convinced that to some degree all of the hindrances relate back in one way or another, to this first one that I want to share with you this morning. See, I want you to remember, he is real. He is real. There is no question about that. He operates in the realm of the spiritual. He doesn't just want your flesh and blood. He wants your eternal soul. The battles that we fight, they're far more serious. There is no man-made bombs or weapons even made that can fight against this enemy. The strength that you need is from God alone. The reason that he's doing what he's doing is for your destruction. 
as a believer to hinder you from carrying on the work of Christ who came to save souls because he wants to destroy everyone that he possibly can. How does he hinder? How do we grasp this? Well, first of all, the Bible teaches that Satan hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. He hinders the sinner from coming to Christ. What's this comment there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 16 that we read? Forbidding us. Now here, this reading is concerning how the Jews have been used of Satan. He says, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always for the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. We've seen for Paul what was his very purpose in being. We see it over and over and over again. It was the preaching of the cross. It was the proclaiming of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he lived for. That's what he breathed for. That's what he was persecuted for. We find that if we look at the words of his testimony as he stood before King Agrippa recorded for us in Acts chapter, chapter 26. Notice what he says in Acts chapter 26, beginning in verse 14. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Paul, I'm saving you for a reason. I'm saving you for a purpose so that you can testify of me, so that you can testify of what I've done in your life, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Paul, this is why I'm saving you that you can testify of me and my work, that these can have their eyes open. They're in darkness right now. I want them to be able to see the light. They're under the power of Satan right now. I want you to free them from that and give them the power of God. That's why I'm saving you. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God 
But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You see, we see on the one hand, God has called Paul that he might bring them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. And we realize here that if the gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. There's no way that the saved cannot see the gospel. That's the only way that they get saved in the first place. It's the lost person who's still blinded that can't see it, that the enemy is doing that. And he doesn't care. You know, again, I've mentioned this time and time again that sometimes, and, and man, I am all for us being all that we can be for the Lord. And, you know, I don't find anywhere in Scripture where God gives a gold star for ignorance. <laughs> but sometimes the knowledge of the world can be one of our worst enemies. When it's a knowledge without God, it is an incomplete knowledge. And an incomplete knowledge can be more dangerous when you think you know something that you don't than not knowing anything at all. He'll use the learned crowd. In Luke chapter 11, verse 52, who will you? I'm talking about Satan. In order to do his work, in order to hinder someone coming to Christ. He said in Luke eleven fifty two, 52, Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that are entering in ye hindered. You're all stuck up on the knowledge that you got from this world. The thing is, that's kept you from entering in, but you have hindered others from, from coming in. Hey, Satan will use the world's knowledge to hinder people, to think they've got all these things figured out, to think that somehow we don't have the truth. He'll convince them of that. We need to realize that, and we need to understand that. Not only the learned crowd, but the secular crowd. In Luke 19, verse 3, And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press... This is Zacchaeus. <laughs> the press is another word for crowd <laughs> because he was little of stature. You see, here was Zacchaeus. He was trying to get to the Lord. What was hindering him from getting to the Lord was this crowd of people that were just onlookers. He climbed up in the tree, in the sycamore tree, didn't he, to get the glimpse. But you see, if he hadn't had that determination to climb up in that tree, he would have just been lost in the crowd because there were so many there that day. They didn't want Jesus to do a work in their lives. They just wanted to be part of the crowd to see what was, what was going on. But that was being used to hinder him to get to the Lord. <laughs> Not just the learned crowd and the secular crowd, but how about the religious crowd? You know, sometimes some of our greatest enemies are those that have religion. In Matthew 23, 13, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, these were, these were the religious leaders, folks. These were the ones that were supposed to be teaching everybody else. 
What's his next word out of his mouth? Hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. You've got all of your religious ideas. You're not only shutting yourself out, but you're shutting others out. I promise you, Satan, he'll try to use the knowledge of the world to hinder people from coming to Christ. He'll try to use the crowds of the world, just the secularity of the onlookers. He'll try to use that to hinder people coming to Christ. He'll try to use the religious crowd. Now, some of them, some of that religious crowd, some of them will, they don't claim Jesus anyway. They're just false religions that are trying to say that there's some other way. Well, you can't have the Bible and have that. Some of them claim to be Christians, <laughs> claim to be followers of the same faith. And, man, they got a good dose of religion. These guys knew their stuff, but they didn't know Jesus. You can know all the religious stuff that you want to. It can send you straight to hell. Satan uses the learned crowd, the secular crowd, the religious crowd. Sadly, he'll even use the spiritual Mark chapter 2, verse 4, And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed where in the sick of the palsy lay. Listen, this was a crowd that was there to hear Jesus. Here's these, these four that want to get this one, the sick of the palsy. They want to get him to Jesus. They know that the touch of Jesus will save their lives. But they can't get to Jesus because there is this crowd that's wanting to hear what Jesus is saying. But they can't get to Jesus because of the crowd that's in the way. But they don't give up. <laughs> they go up on the roof. They cut a hole in the roof. And they let him down right in front of Jesus. Folks, we can't let anything. We've got to realize Satan is there to hinder he hindered the Apostle Paul, and he will still try to hinder us. And his greatest hindrance of all, we'll look at some others next week, <laughs> other ways that he hinders, other things that he wants to hinder. But I'm saying to you, the most important, and it all ties back to this one, he wants to hinder anyone getting to Jesus. He wants to use anything that he possibly can to hinder the sinner from coming to Christ. He'll use, he'll use the knowledge and education of this world. He'll use the crowds of this world, whether they be secular, whether they be religious, or whether they be followers of Christ. He doesn't care. We need to understand, he doesn't care if he can hinder you getting someone else to Christ, if he can hinder you getting to Christ, he will use anything that he can. But I'm saying this as honest as I can. Don't let him hinder you today. Don't let him throw those things in front of you. Will you be like, like Zacchaeus? <laughs> if, 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 the, if the crowd is keeping you from getting there, will you, will you climb up in that sycamore tree so that you can see over the crowd? 
Will you grasp and understand? Folks, knowledge is not a bad thing, but knowledge without God is a terrible thing. Don't let them convince you. Don't let the religious crowd. Don't even let the Christians. Do you know sometimes he can use some of the closest people to you? Why? He knows that'll bother you more than some stranger. <laughs> sometimes you might be able to get around the fact that that, that, that stranger is not going to like you if you come to Christ. But when it's the people that matter in your life, Satan's greatest hindrance is to keep you from Christ and to keep those that are believers from bringing others to Christ. Father, we know today, Lord, we've sang the songs. We've come to the conference. Lord, we know the victory is ours in Jesus Christ. We know that we don't have to worry about anybody plucking us from your hand. Father, we need to wake up and realize we are in a battle. And it's not just a battle for flesh and bones and this temporary life that we have here. It's a battle for the souls for eternity. It's a spiritual battle that no earthly weapons can undertake. But we know that in you, yes, yes, Paul admits himself that he was hindered at times in doing some things that he would have done. But he didn't give up. He didn't throw in the towel. He kept standing for you. The enemy's real. Just because he's hindered us before. Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to let him hinder us today. And most of all, Lord, if there's anyone here today or anyone that may later be listening to this by the airways, Lord, please, please, if there's one that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, may you help them to grasp this simple truth. Because of your great love, Jesus came to this earth to die for their sins. He came not to condemn them, but that through him they might have life, have it everlasting forever. Lord, we know that the condemnation is already there. We are condemned already because of our sin. Jesus came to save us from that. Help these to realize today it's only Satan that wants to hinder them, but you want to save them. Help them not to let anything or anybody be used as a hindrance for them coming to you. And Father, I pray that you'd help us as believers, recognizing the Lord, just as you saved the Apostle Paul, unless you had a special place for him to carry that message to the Gentiles, and, and Lord, you've got a special place for all of us. It might be in our, our neighborhood, in our workplace, wherever we are, but Lord, there is no doubt that your purpose for us is to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. So help us today to realize, yes, Satan will try to hinder us through all kinds of different ways, but help us. Help us not to be hindered. And I pray today that you would do that work in hearts that only you can do, and we'll give you the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.